This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to Episode 21. Ever watch an episode of Cops or an old rerun of Chips and wonder, what it'd be like to be a police officer chasing the bad guys? Well, for me, I never wanted to chase anyone in a patrol car, but sure thought it'd be cool to be the person in the helicopter chasing the suspect. Today, I have with me someone who can tell us what it's really like to be a police helicopter pilot chasing those bad guys. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Audible. It's important to keep motivated and informed when you're pursuing a career. One of the best ways to increase your knowledge and keep motivated is to listen to books during your downtime, such as commuting to work, running on a treadmill, or walking through the park. One of the great things about Audible is that the first book is free, and there's no obligation to continue the subscription. You can cancel at any time and keep the book. Audible helps support this website, and I encourage you to visit Audible at aviationcareerspodcast.com slash audible. There are many great books you can listen to, with one of my favorites being 48 Days to the Work You Love by Dan Miller. I encourage you to discover your true potential and keep motivated by listening to audiobooks. Again, you can download your first book for free by clicking on the Audible icon or by going to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash audible. Today, my guest is Daryl Kimball. Daryl is a helicopter pilot, police officer, and an author. Daryl's with us today to help us understand what it takes to become a police helicopter pilot and what the job entails. I think you'll enjoy the journey as Daryl guides us through the day in the life of a police helicopter pilot. Well, welcome to Aviation Careers Podcast, Daryl. Thank you very much. It's great to be with you. And uh, where are you uh, transmitting from today? Where am I calling you today? Uh, I'm in San Diego, California, the northern northern part of the county, to be exact. Oh, wow. It's a beautiful area. Gosh. It, it is. Gorgeous, gorgeous. Well, Daryl, you know, you I've been reading your book, and I've been reading your website, and it seems like you, you really have had a, a varied path. And, you know, everybody that listens to this podcast has a passion for aviation. And, you know, I was wondering, I think yours is a little different. How did you become interested in aviation? Well, mine is kind of a long story. It's a, I don't know if it's unusual, really, but, you know, as a kid, I was exposed to aviation. I uh, was in the Civil Civil Air Patrol there in Muskogee, Oklahoma. I grew up in Oktaha, a really small town in Muskogee County. Um, but uh, but I also, you know, so I got a few uh, airplane rides and things like that. I worked around some airplanes as a, as a kid. Um, but um, I was also, also from a very large family. I, you know, I grew up with 11 or 10 brothers and sisters. My father was a bus driver, so there wasn't a lot of money to go around. So while I had kind of an interest in aviation as, as I, when I was young, as I grew up, I, I didn't really see it as something that, that was out there for me. I didn't, I thought it was, it, it always seemed out of reach, I guess. And, you know, that was sort of on the financial, uh, part of it. But then even the, um, intellectual side of it, I guess, you know, you, you always, as a young person, you tend to think that that's something that the, the smartest people get to do or that you have to be a math genius or something to uh, to be able to be a, a pilot. And over time, I found out that was not the case. But but that was how I, I mean, I always had this interest, 
but it was not till later in in life as a deputy that I really got um, interested in in aviation. Well, you, and you you chose a path that that isn't the cheapest one, uh, flying helicopters. <laughs> so, no, no, not at all. <laughs> now, how did you get to that point? I mean, you you were interested in aviation, but you were able to start uh, your aviation career and have someone pay for that, and that was for being a police officer, correct? Uh, that is correct, and, and we can talk about that uh, uh, in in a little bit. Uh, my department did completely pay for my um, helicopter aviation training, and, and which is, there's only two places I know of in the world where you get your helicopter training paid for, and that's in the, the military, or um, if you're a police officer on a, on a fairly large agency that, that selects people from within the agency to, to bring into the air unit. And that pay for training, uh, like you said, in the military is, is uh, well, most people I talk to, they think, oh, you have to go to the military. But you can also do that as, as a police officer, which I, I think is, is, is quite interesting because I, I had thought that you had to come to the, the uh, police with your rating. But I guess from doing some reading and some research, that's, that's not true. In some cases it is, but it's not always true. Well, it, it, there's kind of a yes and no answer to that. Uh, most large agencies... Uh, do select their 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 uh, their air crew members that so you come in typically as an observer or a tactical flight officer, um, and then you know and then you, from that position you generally will will later move over to pilot. But they do select them from within their ranks of of uh, you know veteran police officers. Um, there are some uh, agencies that will hire civilian pilots. Um, they're typically the medium and to smaller size agencies because they do save money that way. Um, but uh, now going back to your question. Um, every single agency is different. You are not, you're not going to hardly find any two agencies that are, that are identical as far as what they are looking for uh, as far as aviation experience goes. A lot of them uh, will want you to have a fixed-wing uh, license. They'll, they'll want some aviation background, but a lot don't. My department, for example, didn't. But here's the real difference is, is what, they, what most agencies are really looking for is they're looking for their really good street cops with good attitudes and again we can talk about that more later if you want but you know they really don't care how much aviation knowledge you have or you know if you're if you have a bad attitude or if you can't get along with other people in the unit i can tell you that is people don't always want to hear that um you know we've i i've known people that have gone out and and got their ratings and um it didn't help them any because they you know they their reputation preceded them so anyway, yeah, it, it, it's every agency is different, um, but generally speaking, um, most of them do not require you to have an actual helicopter license because a lot of them know it's cost prohibitive. Uh, CHP in California is one of them that, that uh, the last I checked, did, uh, do, does want their people to go out and uh, get a, a private um, helicopter license first, and they will then move them up to the, uh, the commercial rating. But they're one of the few people I've heard of. And you know what's interesting? I I actually spent some time uh, training uh, a bunch of different law enforcement agencies, and most of those were doing some fixed wing uh, training first, and then they would pay for the helicopter. Well, they paid for the fixed wing too, but they uh, a lot of them. And I I don't know if this is true most places, but they had they also had fixed wing aircraft, which I didn't realize. I know the sheriff had some to to move people around. It. And I never got to ask this question. Is that common or? or? Well, it, actually, it is. In fact, our agency is, is one of the fewer larger agencies that at the moment does not have a fixed wing, and we haven't for about uh, probably seven or eight years. However, we have a history of having fixed wings in our unit. Um, but we're, we're primarily a helicopter-based unit, 
for example, our counterparts right here in San Diego, San Diego Police, um, uh, their air unit does have one fixed wing. I believe it's probably a Cessna 205. And so it, it is very common for most um, large agencies to have at least one fixed wing aircraft. But uh, yeah, at the moment, ours just doesn't. Right. Now let, let's go back a little bit as far as your, your interest in aviation and moving on to be a, a police officer. It sounds like there was a large gap there between being a young person, kind of like a lot of us, you know, we're young and we, we want to go fly and then realize there's, well, there's, there's some expenses involved. So you, I assume you, you were able to maybe move forward with this much later, but you had to make some money first, I assume. So. Yeah, you, you know, it, it's it's kind of it was kind of a funny thing for me is that um, I was always a very practical person. I read the news a lot, and and when I was a young deputy, I had a brother here. And this is how I ended up in San Diego from uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, by the way. Is I had a brother here that was in the Navy, and he was uh, went out and got his private pilot's license, and I still had an interest, and I I would go flying with him occasionally. We did a trip from San Diego to Palm Springs, and we did a overnight trip to Las Vegas, and I and I had a lot of fun. But there was this very practical side of me that at that time as a young person um, told me, well, flying, yeah, it's interesting, but it must be dangerous, you know, because just that was the headlines that I saw. And one thing that really, and it's kind of strange because most young people, you think they, they thrive on danger, but, but I was, I guess, the opposite. But over time, uh, on the sheriff's department, over my career, uh, a couple things happened. One day, I just picked up an aviation magazine after I'd been a deputy for probably uh, 10 or 12 years, and it just sort of hit me. Uh, you know, I just, I guess that was the moment I kind of got struck by the real flying bug, you know, and I just, I was just totally, uh, consumed by it and started buying airplane magazines and kit plane magazines and planning on what planes I was going to build and that sort of thing. But the other thing for me that really, uh, happened is, as you know, once I started my career and over, over 10 or 12 years, I saw a lot of deputies, um, pass away. Because we're a large agency, we have several thousand people, and I didn't know them all personally. But but I would see you know somebody be diagnosed with cancer or something and pass away. Somebody get uh, you know get killed off duty on a traffic accident, doing nothing wrong, you know, just in a head-on collision. And over time, my thought just sort of changed that well, why would I not you know go out at, or go out after my dreams and then what die of cancer or something? So that was sort of my thought process. And and um, you know over time it, it just sort of switched around for me. It was like this is a dream that I want to do. Um, and, and that's when I really became interested in our department's uh, aviation unit and the helicopter unit. And, um, and really, at that point, I set it as a goal, and I, and I knew a lot of guys in the unit already, and I, I really just started working towards that. Well, I tell you, that, that's a terrific story there where you really need to go towards your, your goal. Because, you know, you, you keep putting it off, like you were saying. You know, when you start thinking about it, you get into your middle age and you realize, hey, I don't, I may not have that much time left, or just in general, you, you might as well do something you really, really want to do and go for it. It's, uh, the, the biggest fear I think we have is the fear of actually failing. But, you know, I, I think personally that I, I fear more not trying and, and wishing I did. Well, absolutely. I, I would totally agree with that. And you, and, you know, the other thing is, of course, now after, after flying and being in the unit for five years, um, I was, I, I was actually, more worried about being being hit in a head-on crash out on patrol. I patrol a rural, or you know, over the years I patrolled a rural area, a lot of small two-lane roads. I actually felt safer in the air unit. So, so there, there you go. All right now, let me understand how how you got involved actually as a police officer. The one one of the few jobs that I don't think I could handle is being a cop. And I don't know if I could I could handle the danger. You said danger, boy. That seems like a pretty dangerous job to me. 
Uh, it certainly can be. Um, you know, uh, we're, we're, I like to think we're very well trained. I've always felt like I was very well trained and always had great equipment. And, uh, you know, I think common sense really goes a long way in protecting you in this line of work. But as far as, you know, this is another kind of a funny story for me. I can remember being a kid and, and driving through Muskogee, Oklahoma with my parents and seeing a, a police officer and, and telling myself as a kid, well, I could never do that. You know, I, that just seems like way too hard of a job, you know. But I had come to California. My brother had invited, he said, hey, you know, move out to California. He was again in the Navy out here. I moved in with him. And I was kind of puttering around, thinking of joining the military, um, you know, thinking of the Air Force and the Navy. And I was working at a local cabinet shop. And, and really, I had no more thought about being a cop than, than anything. Uh, and my, my sister-in-law at the time basically said, well, you know, I was still trying to find my way basically. And she said, well, why don't you just go down and apply for the sheriff's department? And I literally said, well, don't you like have to have a college degree or something, or don't you have to be, I don't know, 25. I was 21 at the time. And she goes, no, I think all you need is to be 21 and a high school diploma. So that was really what, you know, and there again, it was a little bit like flying. Once I found out, well, maybe this was in, within reach, this is something I can really do. Well, then the light kind of came on and I really got interested in it. Um, so that, that's how I fell into law enforcement, basically. You know, from what I can tell from the people I talk to, law enforcement, you see there's a similarity between that and aviation. I, there's a similar type of person that goes into it. I see a lot of folks that, that are very interested in, in flying that are actually police officers. I, I train a bunch of them. And yeah. they they have that. And it's a similar mindset. And, and this is what's interesting. I think why a lot of police officers do well flying is the fact that, you know, flying you have to basically think on your feet or in the air as it may be. And and that's what a police officer has to do at all times. And and not only, and this is something interesting too. When we're flying, especially say an, an airline pilot, they're always look, looking at the rules. You as a police officer, you have to think about the rules while you're acting. And that's why I think this this combination is is a little bit easier for someone I think as a as a police officer to make that leap. You know, I think so. And, and just as kind of a, an insight, uh, you know, I, again on our agency and most agencies, they really look for good police officers. And when I tell people, a lot of guys on my agency will ask me, you know, how do I get into the unit? And you know, I always tell them, you know, they're they're just looking for 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 good cops. But now let me switch that around a little bit. I'll also tell people, I said, look, if you're a mediocre patrol deputy, and, and you may not know it yourself, but your, your partners know it, unfortunately. You know, so, but if you're a mediocre patrol deputy, if you just kind of bumble your way through and you, you're not applying yourself, you're not, you're, you will not make it in the air unit. Now, I, I don't think the job is that hard. You know, honestly, I don't think either job is that hard. Are they diff, are, is there some difficulty to both? Of course there are. But, but what I see... Uh, repeatedly is, is guys that are good patrol cops. That means they get out there, they hustle, they, they don't have a problem making decisions. You know, it's not always the right decision. You know, nobody always makes the right decision, but they don't have a problem making decisions, taking command, taking control. They come into the area, and those guys have no problem. They'll, they'll do their 18 months as, a, as an observer, and when, when they need another pilot, they'll move right away. They go to pilot training, they'll generally do just fine as a pilot. Where people don't cut it in the air unit are guys that squeak in that are have were just again meet kind of mediocre patrol deputies um and just sort of got by that they just don't cut it in there or people that you know maybe they were a great street cop but their attitudes and personalities don't lend to getting along uh very well in a in a unit like that um it's much different than being out in a patrol car on the street by yourself so and i'll keep coming back to that because i can tell you right now uh, once again, your attitude, your work ethic, and your personality um, will will take you farther than just about anything, and particularly in this line of work, it's no different. Now, you touched on something there when you said that 
when you got involved, you didn't think you could apply because of certain qualifications, uh, age limits, that type of thing. Is there anything else as far as qualifications? Like if you can be a police officer, can you be a helicopter pilot or is there any other qualifications you need? Uh, no, I, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, let, I mean, if we're talking, you know, kind of generalities here, you know, I, I'm again, I was kind of a person that grew up, you know, not. Hey, I was a straight C student. You know, I, I took and I talk about this in the in the book. Um, you know, I, I made I made D's in math. Now, could I have made better grades if I tried harder? Probably, but still, I was a C student. That's what I came out of high school as. Uh, and I never looked at myself as a, as a, a you know, very smart person, you know, um, and I think a lot of people are that way. A lot of people tend to, you know, kind of sell themselves short a little bit. I think it's sort of a natural human tendency for many people. Maybe some people don't, but I, I never, you know, I never really saw myself as really being smart enough to be an airline pilot or, or anything else, but, um, you know, or any kind of a pilot like that. But, but as far as the, the requirements, you, you know, again, most police agencies just require a high school diploma. There are some some states that, that want you to have your uh, college degree. Uh, and then as far as the fl- the type of flying that we do, just, uh, you know, I don't have an inf- uh, uh, IFR rating, you know, or anything like that. We just, I'm a straight, you know, helicopter pilot with a commercial rating. Um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't find it any more, any harder than being a cop, to be honest. I, it, you know, there was a lot of studying involved, but as far as the requirements, um, you know, I didn't find it any more difficult at all. So basically, if you're a police officer, you can become a helicopter pilot. But first, you have to want to be a police officer. And uh, But as a helicopter police officer, in my mind, and, and this is what I envision you do, is that, you know, you get this call and you jump in the helicopter and you go and you save somebody, you prevent a, a crime or you chase the bad guys. You know, that what what do you really do? I mean, what, what does a police helicopter do? Well, you're pretty close. Um, you know, Typically, what will happen when we go to work in the morning at 7 in the morning, you pull the helicopter out. Um, it, sometimes it will be a pilot and a non-pilot, so he's the observer, obviously. But sometimes you, you'll be partnered up with another pilot. So so you'll work out any system you want. Typically, um, one of you will fly one day, and, and, and you're, you know, the other one will be the observer. Then you'll flip-flop the next day. But So you pull the helicopter out. One of you pre-flights it. The other one kind of gets your... Uh, you know, observer or tactical flight officer equipment together. You get that in the helicopter, you know, and, and uh, you basically make sure everything's ready, ready to go. And so at that point, you know, typically for us, if it's, uh, it, you know, if it's early and it's quiet, now, now, now my county, I'm, I'm going to back up a little bit. My county is a huge county. It's much bigger than a lot of the counties back in the Midwest where I grew up. Uh, I think we're about, I think, 4,000 square miles. Um, but uh, I know that I figured I could put about, I could put several Muskogee counties into the county that I work out here. And we have, we have uh, our sheriff's department has nine contract cities. And what that means is every little city on the West Coast doesn't always have their own police department. It's very common out here for uh, an incorporated city, a small one, um, or medium-sized city to, to contract with the sheriff's department for, for law enforcement services. So just in San Diego County, we have nine contract cities. That doesn't include the unincorporated areas of the county that we patrol. So we have a lot of you know, we have a big county, and, and we the, the the chances of a radio call call coming in, you, you know, generally you don't have to wait too long. I mean, it it, it can be pretty active. So you know, you, once you get the helicopter prepped, you kind of basically kick back for a little bit. You know, maybe check your emails and and you know do your weight and balance things like that. And you kind of wait for that first call. Now our unit has sort of a um, it's sort of an unwritten uh, policy that they've always wanted you to fly about four hours a day because obviously the helicopter is more effective when it's out there on patrol in the air. I mean, that is, and this is, you know, now we're getting into another area that it's one of the few helicopter jobs where you're told 
just go fly. <laughs> okay, you you find me another helicopter job where where the where the the the, the company or the boss tells you take the helicopter and go fly. Um, you know, but it's it's they also expect you to be responsible. If it's a slow day, you know, you're not going to go out and fly for eight hours. But but the kind of the rule of thumb is that particularly on a quiet day, and there are some quiet days that you'll go out and you'll fly. You'll do a couple two hour um, flights now. Um, during those flights, you know, anything can happen. You know, yes, the car chases, you, you know, a lot of times you, you don't, you don't get over the car chase until the very end, you know, and people are scattered in the brush or running through yards, you know, um, we do the rescues. We look for a lot of, uh, elderly people, Alzheimer's people that walk away, missing kids. Um, you know, and really we'll respond to any crime, even if it's a misdemeanor crime, if we're in the air and we're in the area, you know, let's say it's even a bike theft. Well, if we can catch one bike thief, we're already up there. We're going to do that. So, so yeah, we, we really do respond to a, a, a wide variety of calls and situations, uh, you know, and there are your extremely busy days and then there are your slow days. Wow. That's amazing that you actually get up every day. It sounds like four, like you're saying four hours. I mean, there's no other helicopter jobs I know of where you actually get to do that. I hang out with a lot of guys with the news and they're waiting, waiting, and then they go, you know, you're up, you're up and about. Yeah. In fact, you know, every agency won't be that way. The, the larger agencies, you, you know, your big sheriff's departments, your big police departments, and, and we'll get into that too. That if somebody that wants to really become a police helicopter pilot, uh, you know, we can talk about, you know, uh, doing some planning and, and, and really looking for a large agency in your area. But anyway, uh, for example, LAPD, we're told all the time they have a helicopter in there 24 hours a day. You know, and sometimes they have two. They, they, when one lands, one takes off. Um, now, we don't, we don't quite do that here, but every agency is a little bit different. But, um, yeah, and, and, you know, you're going to have some smaller agencies that are probably response only. You know, they, only, they, they do wait for a call. Um, but that's just not the way we operate in our unit. Now, the other thing I've always heard from um, a lot of the senior guys in our unit that over the years have networked with a lot of military guys, and it consistently guys in our unit and most large police units will have about twice the amount of flight time as a military pilot coming out of the uh, the Army or Marine Corps or something, a military helicopter pilot, over, say, the same amount of time. You take two pilots five years, uh, the police pilot will almost always have twice the amount of uh, flight time as the, the military pilot. That's just the way it works out. Yeah, I think that's true also in most fixed wing. You see about the same thing happen. It's about twice as much, uh, unless they're, you know, cargo and that type of C-17 people. But uh, but normally that that's similar, I think, in the fixed wing world also. Uh, but, you know, that, that getting up and flying, that that is that is too cool. I mean, it, I, I think there are not too many jobs out there that, that you get to say, hey, you know, go fly, go find out what's going on. And, and by doing that, I think, you know, from what I, in my mind, it makes sense because if they tell you, hey, we have uh, an accident on such and such a corner, you could probably get there pretty darn quick. Well, I, absolutely. That is part. I mean, that, there's no question that you'll always, as a, as a uh, you know, a law enforcement air crew, you'll always be more effective when you're in the air. Uh, and, and again, we have a large county, and the joke in our county is that, well, you're always at the other end of the county. But sometimes you're not. Sometimes the call comes out a half a mile away, you got a full tank of gas, and you're you're ready to go. And and you're you can be you're very instrumental in take, helping take somebody into custody, you know, and and uh, uh, you know there's been many incidents where that I've been over, and of course you know any aviation, any police aviation unit where the the suspect would have escaped if if the helicopter had not been there. That means a lot of times they do escape, you know, but um, but but there but the flip side of that is there's a lot of violent criminals in this country taken off the streets or at least taken off the streets earlier than they otherwise would have. 
uh, because there's a police helicopter in the area. Now, the, up in the helicopter, though, it's you're using your eyeballs. Is there any other technologies for, say, there's a criminal running away from you at nighttime? Do you have, like the military has, like those night vision goggles and stuff? Uh, oh, absolutely. Our unit, our unit flies, uh, uh, all of our flights at nighttime are on night vision goggles, number one. And, of course, number two is we have the, uh, the forward-looking infrared uh, camera. Um, which is a great tool. Um, it's not a silver bullet. It doesn't look through walls. You know, it, it detects heat. Um, but uh, if you have a, it's used best when you have a suspect inside a perimeter. Or at least you, you hope and believe you have a suspect that's that's uh, inside a perimeter. Um, you know, the, the uh, with the FLIR camera, you can do a FLIR search and and you know hopefully identify where the suspect's hiding. But you know, in the daytime, we also have uh, we carry um, uh, gyro stabilized binoculars. Um, so, and, and I'll tell you something else. In the daytime, um, our PA on our helicopter is a great, great tool in finding suspects. And the way that works is you get over a scene, particularly most of well, obviously in the city. And, uh, you know, a great example I use is a stabbing suspect. I had one morning in El Cajon, uh, which was just a couple miles from our base. Uh, El Cajon police called us. Uh, they just had a double stabbing. Uh, white male tattoos all over the head and neck, uh, last seen running down the alley with no shirt. So we get overhead within a few minutes. El Cajon put out a lot of cops. They locked down about four, four or six square blocks, and uh, we get overhead. And, of course, you're not going to just look out of the helicopter and, and see the suspect, probably. I mean, it's, sometimes it can happen, but most likely not. He's going to be hiding. So you're there to help, help on the perimeter, uh, kind of keep the suspect locked down while they're doing their yard-to-yard searches or canine searches. But then what we also do is we jump on the PA and start uh, making announcements. And uh, what, what I will do is just put out, you know, something like um, uh, looking for a white male suspect, tattoos over the, all over the head and body, just stab two people. Well, you don't have to put out that much of a description for people to get the idea. If they see some, some white guy hiding in their backyard or jumping their back fence, you know, they're going to call. And so in, in this scenario, um, we were overhead for over 40 minutes, and I had been PAing off and on for, uh, off and on for over 40 minutes uh, making announcements. And we finally got one lady to call in and said about, she said about, about an hour ago, a guy came up to my back door with blood all over him and, and um, uh, asked to use the water hose. Well, he was still in her backyard, but it also took her 40 minutes to call. I did 40 minutes of PAs before she called in, but that's how we catch suspects with a PA. Wow. I, I never would have thought of that. that that's cool. That, that's pretty neat. So, you know, the, you just described that. Now, what, what uh, I was just thinking, you know, what kind of rewarding moments are there as, as a helicopter pilot? I would assume that, you know, there's there's one right there. You you uh, actually caught a bad bad guy and were able to apprehend him. Uh, what other instances have you had that maybe your most rewarding moment, if you can relate that? You know, probably for me, there's there's a, the most rewarding or, or would be searches. And, and the reason I say this is because I've been catching crooks my whole career, and that's still a great part of the job. Um, and and really, even more than just catching the crook, you know, I, we get a lot of uh, satisfaction from helping the guys on the ground. That's really what we're there for. We're there to help them. We're there to watch their back, to protect them, and to help them. And so we do get a lot of satisfaction from that. Um, but I, w- I would have to say that being able to take your helicopter. And, you know, again, we have, not only are we a large county, but we're a desert county, really. And once you get away from the ocean, we have the uh, Anzabrego uh, Desert State Park. It's the largest uh, state park in the state of California right here in our county. It's part of the Sonoran Desert. Um, and so we really do a lot of work in the backcountry. Um, you know, we, we recover a lot of the bodies of, of uh, migrants coming over the border that don't make it. So we know that, they, that 
people out there, you know, die when they don't have the food and the water. Um, but then we also go out and rescue the ones that have a cell phone to call in and that sort of thing. So a couple, of, you know, one of my first rescues uh, as a new pilot was was picking up four uh, migrant uh, uh, people my, uh, that had crossed the border. They had been three days without food or water in 100-degree heat. And uh, if we had not found them, at least one or two of, of them would have died within a, within a day or two. So it, it is, it's a very... Um, you, know, you get a lot of satisfaction from not only being able to go out and fly, but then being able to take your helicopter and go and literally pluck somebody from from you know what would otherwise be a deadly situation and you know deliver them to an ambulance. And another um, another one I can think of is a um, in Anzabrega Desert State Park in about 112 degree weather a few years ago. We had a, a, a young lady that went out and just went for a hike. Um, didn't quite take enough water, um, and then she got she made a wrong turn and ended up kind of going off into the desert. And on top of that, she was hearing impaired. And so the only communication, we got one one shot at communicating with her, and that was when she texted her mother in Northern California and said that she was uh, out of water and she was uh, resting under a bush. So that was about a two-and-a-half-hour search in 112-degree heat. Uh, we worked with the state parks. They had a fixed wing overhead, and they had some people on the ground. But um, we, working to, together with everybody, we eventually found them. Actually, the way it happened was some of the uh, – uh, park rangers on the ground started picked up her tracks through the desert and started tracking her, and uh, we actually they kind of directed us on to them, and we started tracking, following the tracks from the air and came upon her. Now you think, well, it's a big desert, can't you just look out there and see her? Well, it doesn't work that way. Trust me, we have been over that ground countless times, and uh, but but you know here you have this um, hearing impaired lady that that's out of water, 112 degree heat, and uh, to be able to go out and find her land hand her the bottle of water and watch her suck it down and, and, and ask for another one and then put her on your helicopter and fly out. Those types of things are, are very uh, satisfying. Wow, that's, that's a really cool story, I tell you. That, 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 that's something you can, you can tell a lot of people and, and just be proud that you, you are a part of. That's terrific. Yeah, it, it, it's a good feeling. Yeah, and now you just said something. You, you, you actually interact with some of these people. I'm, I'm getting this vision in my head that you really don't interact with many people because you're up in the air, uh, but it sounds like you do get to sometimes. Well, you, you know, really, the, you, and that's kind of a good and a bad thing. A lot of a lot of cops have dealt with the public and citizens for so many years that it's a nice break to sort of get in the air unit. And really, um, you know, you'll, you know, I think I, I mentioned this in the book somewhere. You, you know, they they take off from generally behind locked gates and locked fences at faraway airports. You know, they they their faces are almost always covered. They fly they fly out and help on police cars and uh, I mean police calls and fly back and land at the airport. You know, and and you really don't even interact that much with members of your own department other than through emails and, and things like that. Um, it's far different from working the streets and having human contact or, or contact with a, a large group of people every day. But anyway, uh, but then going out and, and uh, you know, rescuing people, you get a little bit of contact there and, and interaction. And it's great. I'm telling you, you know, there is no better feeling to have somebody come and thank you for saving their life. You know, and I've had that happen to me several times and, and it's, you know, it's, it's a great feeling. So, but yeah, there's, there's um, not a, a ton of interaction, which is a downside for some people. They find out they really don't, really don't like it. You're kind of a, it's kind of an isolated job to some extent, but then a lot of a lot of cops like that part of it, you know. Well, I could I could see why, you know. After a while, sometimes I guess on some people it gets on their nerves, you know, <laughs> being involved with people all the time. Because you know, let's face it, a lot of times when you're called, it's not not to come over and and talk about nice things. It's usually to help out in a bad situation. Yeah, that's true. You know, and you get the you get both. You get 
you know, you get, you know, if you're a 20 or 30 year cop, you get tired of arguing with people about whether something's a crime or not, or whether or not you did your job good enough, you know, but then you also go out to those places where people just can't thank you enough for doing what you do. So you do get the, you do get both. You know, you had said something before about going into the, a park and, and working with the state police and, 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 uh, they had airplanes. Do you work with other agencies like Fish and Wildlife or DEA and their departments too in aviation? You know, we don't we, we don't do a lot of things together because, of course, you know, uh, you know, anytime you get two aircraft in the same general area, you got to be very careful. You know that. Um, so, but for example, let's take San Diego PD for example. Um, now they generally stay within the within the city of San Diego, but they're not. You know, they can leave and they do. Um, and then. You know, we can go into the city. So we will help each other out as far as almost like two patrol cars on a beat. Um, if, if um, you know, one of us is on a call and we're low on fuel, we'll call the other one and, and vice versa. And so we do that on a regular basis. Uh, now, as far as just going on missions with another agency, we don't do a lot of that, um, you know, you know. Uh, other than, you know, occasionally maybe doing a memorial flyover or something, you know, might get three or four agencies to dig together and you brief and, and you know, plan a, and you do a flyover of a, a memorial event or something like that. But other than that, um, we help each other out a lot, but we really don't work too much together. You know, Daryl, it seems like this is a pretty cool job. I mean, it really, now that you've described it to me, I, I, I'm glad you've kind of related all this stuff because I, I had no idea. You know, I have friends that are helicopter pilots. I never sat with them and actually asked them what they do, but I, it sounds rewarding. I mean, you're actually doing good. You're, you're apprehending bad people and every so often you get to save people. Um, and you get to fly. I mean, that, that's really cool. If you want to be a cop and you want to fly aircraft, helicopter cop pilot sounds great, but you know, what, what would uh, we? What would be the requirements though for someone? For instance, there's a there's a pilot, and he and the pilot needs to get say a second or a third class medical. I know in the military they have their own medical standards. Is is how does that apply? If you could just explain that. Well, we we, we do. Um, everybody in our entry cart we, is required to have a second class medical. Um, now now here's another interesting point uh, that that you might appreciate as an airline pilot. Although I have a commercial rating, and that's sort of our, our um, that that is our um, our procedures for everybody in our unit is to have a commercial rating. I have been told, and I by other experts in the aviation, that it's really not required for me because I don't I, I don't fly people around. Essentially, I my my uh, pilot job is part of my employment, so therefore I don't really even have to have a, a commercial rating, but I do. Well, for instance, if if I'm having a if I have a third class or excuse me a second class medical, say for my commercial, and there's a limitation on there, say uh, that that you may I have to wear glasses. Can will that hurt me as a cop? You know, no, I don't think so. You know, I have I, I see what you're getting at because a lot of people want to know about their vision that sort of thing. We we even have one one guy in our unit that that has limited color blindness. But he was able to get uh, waivers uh, through the FAA. He was able to do an actual, uh, do some, uh, you know, the, the light gun test and things like that and, and get a waiver. And he's actually a pilot. In fact, I helped train him uh, when he was new in the unit. But he's actually a pilot now and he even flies at nighttime on goggles right now. But I have not seen, you know, other than your standard medical, um, most police officers, if you're fit enough to be a police officer, you, you're not going to have any problem getting into the aviation unit as far as medical reasons. At least that's just my opinion. Uh, I have not seen too many issues where someone uh, on our agency, you know, they, they were healthy enough or qualified to be a, a, a beat cop, a police officer uh, or a deputy, but they were not qualified to, 
be in the unit um, medically or something like that. I just haven't seen too many of those those cases, uh, something like that. Say uh, someone goes into this this field of aviation. I think you've done a great job describing what it is you do, and and I I sure have learned a lot. But um, one thing I thought of while you were talking, and I, I get some people emailing me and asking me this question about their helicopter rating and going to fixed wing because some people. They are police officers, and maybe they're in the military. Now they want to fly for the airlines. And a lot of airlines, uh, they won't, or, or corporate or whatever, they won't actually transfer the hours one-to-one. For instance, if you have a 1,000 hours in a helicopter, they're, they're going to require you to have at least 500 fixed wing. Do, do you know anybody who's done that, who's transitioned from your job to, say, a fixed wing job? You know, I can't say specifically a helicopter pilot um, that's transitioned, but I, I have a, kind of another, well, you know, I've gotten a lot of questions from guys uh, that, well, let me, let me back up. You know, to get into, to become, well, one of the big questions I've gotten over the years is, well, you know, and, and this is what we get from a lot of guys coming out of the military, is they want to come uh, and, and come on, to, our, come on to, to an agency and fly helicopters, but they don't want to go spend two or three, four years in patrol. And I totally understand that. They, they you know, maybe being a cop is not their thing. They want to come out of the military, and they would just they just want to fly helicopters, and they, they it would be nice if they could fly for the police department. Um, so 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 what we also get was well well how long do I have to be a street cop before I can get in the air unit? And so let me let me let me try to answer that, and then that's going to dovetail into something else in a second, talking about fixed wings. Um, tip it for for many years on my department, the average time to be competitive for a position area and it was about 10 years. Now, I started late. I, I, I had um, 15 years on when I started applying. And I had 20 years on when I got in the unit. But but now that's changed a little bit. And we, we, we now have a couple of uh, young guys in the unit that, that only have about six years on the department. So every again, every agency is a little bit different. But now the other thing is, let's say for a young person out there that, you know, a 19 or 20 year old that's, that's really considering this. Um, and maybe he really wants to do the police route and say, say not commercial airlines or something like that. So, so what they need to do is first off, look around, find a large agency that has a long history of having an air unit. Most air units were started in the early seventies. Um, our, our air unit has been in, uh, you know, has been active ever since and it's never been, um, uh, you know, disbanded. Uh, we have, you know, about, well, with our two fire helicopters, we have about seven helicopters right now. So, so, so I would pick a large agency that has more than, you know, a couple helicopters. That means, you know, they, they have money to support a big air unit and they have a long history of it. So, 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 you know, that job is going to be there. If you put three or four or five or even 10 years on the department, you know, that air unit is still going to be there. Um, now here's the, here's the, the problem that a lot of people have is there, is there a guarantee you're ever going to get in the air unit? No, there's not. There's no guarantee you're ever going to get in the air unit. You see, they're competitive positions and you, you know, there, there's always a handful of people on every agency that, that have tried many, many times to get in the air unit for, for whatever reason, it doesn't happen for them. Now, what I would tell somebody is if let's say they still wanted to do the law enforcement route because law enforcement, law enforcement is a very good job. It's very stable. My department has never laid anybody off in the 27 years. They have not laid one single person off in the 27 years I've worked for it. In fact, they've never um, really even shrunk our air unit. It's been close a few times. We almost took a hit a few few years ago under this economy, but we, we've managed through that. You know, what you just said, though, while you're picking that up, is that it's really important, uh, and I can relate this. I have friends that are, are police officers that fly, 
And I have friends that fly helicopters and work for local stations, et cetera, you know, say they're doing the news. The guys that get laid off, and I have I've seen this many times, are the guys that are working for the for the station. You know, they're not, not the ones that are working for the police department. And they usually have to go fall back on that type of a job. Well, very true. And, and I just remember what, what I, the point I wanted to make is if, so let's say a, a young person comes in and he wants to do the law enforcement route and he's going to go, you know, one thing I would suggest is go and get that fixed wing. When you're, you're, if you're a young cop, particularly if you're single, you're not married yet, you don't have kids, you don't have a lot of obligations, then spend your money wisely. If this is what you want to do, go get your fixed wing rating because that will help you get into the unit. And, and then if you want, um, as you're working your way towards getting into the air unit, just keep working on your ratings. Now, I've known a couple of deputies on, on our department um, that never made it into the air unit, but over the years, they were able to build their hours in fixed wings. They, they you know, ended up flying, you know, side jobs, you know, instructing, flying, you know, skydivers, things like that. And I know for a fact one of those today is, is working in um, – uh, corporate air, he's a corporate pilot now. So, so he was, even though, even though he never got in our unit, it was sort of a fallback where he, he had still enjoyed a, a, an exciting career in law enforcement over 25 years or so, a very stable career with very decent benefits, you know, and, and he was still able to take advantage or, or, uh, you, you know, enjoy aviation and actually end up, you know, with a, with an aviation career now after his uh, law enforcement career. So I just throw that out there for people that, you know, they, they, they're wondering, well, what if I, you know, never get in the air unit? Well, that's, that's something you can kind of fall back on. It doesn't mean you can't, um, you know, enjoy aviation. But it, it's, just, it's just a thought for some people, I guess. Now, you know, you've described all this to us. This has been great, Daryl. I've, I've learned a, a lot from you. But, you know, I, I know there's a lot of resources out there on the Internet. Say you want to become an airline pilot. That's easy. There's a million websites out there about that. But if someone's interested in becoming, say, a helicopter pilot, is there anything they could maybe read or a website they could go to? Well, as far as uh, a police helicopter pilot, I, you know, I do, I have written quite fairly extensively about that on my my website, um, policehelicopterpilot.com, and I have, you know, uh, I've received many emails over the years. Uh, I've had it up about four years, going on five years, I think, um, and I've received many emails over the years that. What I have written there on how to become a police helicopter pilot is the best information available anywhere, anywhere <laughs> on that particular topic. Um, so if anybody you know wants to read more, uh, you know about what I have to say about you know how again how to become a police helicopter pilot, they can go there, uh, just search on that, and, and it'll pop right up. But um, so yeah, I talk about it quite a bit there. I think you know I go into a lot of uh, other details. I give some examples, you know. Um, I, I always go back to the attitude. I'm telling you, I have seen, and if you go to any major police department and into their air units, you will have pilots leave that unit. You know, people want, they, they, you talk about aviation experience and, and, you know, what it takes to get into the unit. Well, I've seen, I can't tell you how many people leave the unit because of personality conflicts. And so it, it's really hard to imagine. I know people out there, it, it, it would be hard for them to believe, but I'm telling you, your attitude, your work ethic, and your, your personality, your ability to get along with others and not become an angry an angry person will take you farther than any aviation experience is going to take you in this particular line of work, you know, as far as getting into the unit and being successful in the unit. Now, that website you mentioned, what was the name again? And I'll, I'll put the link on the website, too. It's uh, policehelicopterpilot.com, www.policehelicopterpilot, all one word, dot com. Okay, and we'll have a link on Aviation Careers Podcast for that, too. And, 
It's you know it's interesting. You uh you you I, I looked at it for quite some time. You've been doing this for a little while. Well, it's I think I I think I kicked that off in February of '08. I was a fairly new pilot, and you know I was really just I was really just messing around on the internet looking for something to blog about. I I kind of wanted to kick it off sort of as a you know possible business, you know, make, maybe make a little bit of money on the side. And uh, I had just, I don't know, I had explored a number of topics. And what happened was one day I ran, you know, you know, the phrase police helicopter pilot, even though I work for the sheriff's department, it's kind of a generic term. And so when I ran this phrase, the very first page that pops up is a, a large helicopter website. And that phrase took me to a page that was very negative toward police pilots. And uh, this individual had been a, a military pilot, and it probably at some point had was not maybe happy about the fact that he, uh, I don't know, maybe couldn't, there wasn't a flying job waiting for him or something when he got out. I, I'm not sure. But he was very negative toward police pilots and, and said some things on there that basically they're dangerous and most of them are not trained properly. Well, and that's fine. That's his opinion. No no big deal. But But that's sort of what kind of... You know, I, I kept coming back to that. You know, a few days later, I think I came back and ran that again. It's like, you know, no, I've got to, I've got to do something about this. And and in that, among some other things, um, we had a large flight school um, that had come into our airport, and it was really, uh, it was poorly run. In fact, it was ran more of a, of a scam, as a scam. And I was actually going to work one morning at Gillespie Field in El Cajon, and this uh, flight school started running a, a lot of radio commercials. And one of the commercials um, that I heard one morning going to work was, you know, basically this this mass shortage of police helicopter pilots that was coming about to come up. You know, and it's and we already people a lot of people already knew they were kind of a scam, and they they did fold. In fact, they they uh, there was a lot of lawsuits, and a lot of a lot of students were 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 basically um, kind of cheated out of a lot of money. But so I, it was it was definitely. Um, but but anyway, so the, so that coupled with with kind of the um, the previous uh, uh, website I'd run across finally just kicked me into to getting started and 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 uh, uh, launching this blog, and it was mostly just to basically inform people what I knew about how to become a police helicopter pilot. That's really how it all started. And I think it's great. I mean, like I said, I I learned a lot from just listening to you, but. You have a ton of information out there. Uh, there's some uh, one thing you put out there was an interview that you actually didn't get a chance to do, and I really enjoyed that about learning about being a pilot. That, that was really good. So uh, it was, I guess, an interview you're supposed to do, and they sent you the questions you actually answered by email, and you you put that out there. That that was that was cool. Well, I pre- I appreciate that. You know, I, I, that's something else that's, that that uh, that's happened over over time. Is I I. You know, people. I'll get emails from people, and I'll, I'll send them these big, long answers. And I realize, well, I should be putting these answers on the website for people to read, so that everybody can read them. So I, I'm starting to do a little bit more of that. When I do, you know, I, I don't use names and such, but when when I I typically write big answer, long answers to people, I try to maybe put that up up there so that other people can read it and, and you know get answers to the same questions. Another thing too that I. I noticed is that from that blog, you actually came up with a book. As a matter of fact, that's that's the recommendation today. The book is called Catch the Sky, The Adventures and Misadventures of a Police Helicopter Pilot. This book that you wrote is more than a story about the exciting world of being a police aviator. Uh, although, you know, much is told about the lifestyle. The real story within this book is the story of persistence and perseverance of a young boy from a small town to fulfill his dream of a different life 
outside of this small town, just like you talked about. And this life, as as you've described, has been full of adventures and beautiful places and excitement. And uh, I would re- highly recommend this book that you wrote. And there's there's two main reasons uh, that you should read this book called Catch the Sky, The Adventures and Misadventures of a Police Helicopter Pilot. First, you're going to discover what it's like to be a police helicopter pilot, but also you're going to learn why persistence and perseverance is important when working towards this goal, this aviation goal, or any other career goal that that uh, you're involved with, or anything you're looking towards. And uh, you know, Daryl's journey truly will inspire you to lead you to greater success in your career and in your life. And in maybe not, it may not be involved with aviation. I think anybody can read this. And uh, Daryl, I really enjoyed it. Is there, you know, what what's going to be in that book? Can you describe a few things that are in that book to us? Well, Carl, first off, I think you, you, you almost said that better than I could, but I appreciate that. Um, you know, very much what you said. You know, I, I, what I, I think what people are going to get out of there is, look, I was a small-town kid. I was a C student. I came from a, a large – I tell people I, we were the largest the, – the, the poorest large family in town or the largest poorest family in town. And, you know, I didn't have a lot. Of, and my father was a very hardworking man. Uh, he drove. He was a mechanic and drove his bus. Uh, drove a, a, a bus his entire life. But I didn't have a lot of direction. You know, my grandmother told me, "Hey, you should go to college." But I really didn't have a lot of direction other than that. And when I left Oklahoma and came to California, I wasn't sure of my path. I didn't know. So I almost sometimes I wonder, well, how much more would I have accomplished if I knew earlier what I really wanted to do in life? And it, but that just didn't happen for me. And and I, I I suspect for a lot of people it doesn't happen. But I think the big message, uh, and I intentionally, you know, tried to weave this into the story um, with my co-author, Alan Duffin, um, that, you know, a lot of people tend to sell themselves short, particularly as young people. And I think particularly in today's economy where, you know, it is tough to get a job. It is, you know, the, the right at the moment, you know, the, the opportunities out there don't seem to be overwhelming. But I, I think with, like you said, with persistence, and just a dream, and and really just keeping your act together, you know. Um, I, I mean, I made sure, you know, there was a time in my life where I, you know, I tried a little bit of, of you know, marijuana or whatever, but 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 it also came to a time where I said, you know, that, that that's stupid. I'll never do that again. And I got my act together, and I just was just a just a fairly normal, hardworking kid that was, you know, just looking for opportunities in life, and I, and I found them, you know, and so I think that's really, to me, the kind of an under, uh, undercurrent or message in this book is is that, you know, if you just, if you if you, you have a dream, you, you work towards your dream, and you, you just get your act together, and, and you, you don't have to be a genius necessarily to succeed in this life, and to have a great life, and to, to have fun, and adventure, and, and excitement, so I, I think people will get that out of the book. Well, I think that was well said, and, and, and well put. I think that's a lesson we all can learn. And I think you've done it quite a bit with your life. And and it it goes to show you, you know, that persistence and 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 persevering and having that dream and following that dream is very important. And and having that passion in life and following following that passion, you know, just just go for it, basically. No, absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, so again, if, if you want to read that book, what I've done is I, I'm putting a link on my website, aviationcareerspodcast.com, so you can actually go into Amazon and, and pick up that book. Actually, I downloaded it on the Kindle, and uh, it's a great way, great read. Um, is it, you don't have an audio version, do you, of the book? Uh, not, not yet. I, you know, we are, uh, there, there are some future plans for that. Um, we really haven't got to that point yet. However, the, it is also up on Barnes & Noble uh, uh, right now as well. 
Uh, and they, we don't have the uh, ebook version up there quite yet, but that's in the works too. But yeah, they can go to Barnes and Noble also and pick up the paperback. Terrific. Well, well, we'll look for it there. Now, you know, before we close, Daryl, there is something I, I like to do with, with my guests. It's kind of fun. And, uh, you know, we talked about helicopter flying and, and aviation careers within the police department. And I, I like to kind of stretch ourselves and think that, you know, the, the flying job is not the only thing out there. There are other jobs. And maybe you could touch upon uh, some of the other jobs that are aviation-related where you work in the police department or you work as a contractor to the police department, and it's in the aviation field for the police. Well, you know, even at, even at our unit right here in, in San Diego, um, we employ about, I think we're up to six helicopter mechanics right now. And so so anybody that's, that's maybe leaning toward, more towards the mechanical side, uh, you know, um, that there's definitely opportunities for that. Now, all of our mechanics uh, uh, are civilian, uh, civilian employees, and a couple of them, we had our, our fire program came in about um, oh, about five years ago now, and we picked up the two medium medium lift uh, Huey helicopters, and so so they added a couple of mechanics. But what they also did is they also made them fuel truck drivers. They they, they went out and they got their their uh, you know hazmat endorsements, and so. So they, you know, when we have big fires, one of our mechanics, one of the two fuel, the, uh, fuel truck driver mechanics will jump in the fuel truck and they'll go out. You know, they may drive an hour out and meet the helicopter out by the fire, and then they'll be out there all day long. And plus, if the, that way, if there's a minor issue with the helicopter, they get to fix it right there on the site. So, but, uh, so, so as, as far as our agency goes, there, there is that um, aspect to it, the, um, you, you know, the maintenance aspect. Um, so, and I'm sure most agencies out there have something like that. Now, when you said civilian, could you distinguish? Are they actually working for the department, or do they work for a contractor? Uh, you know, that's a, that's a very good question because um, for many, many years in our unit, they did they were a contractor. However, um, uh, about seven or eight years ago, they went away from that. I can't even tell you the exact reasons why. And they are county employees. They're not only county employees; they are civilian employees of the sheriff's department. So all six of our mechanics are are civilian employees of of the department. Okay, I understand. And the dispatchers are they? They also work for the department. Uh, yes. The the now when you say dispatchers, I assume you're talking about just all of our our police dispatchers, radio dispatchers. They are. Yes, they are uh, sheriff's employees, uh, civilian employees of the sheriff's department. Yes. And is that how they dispatch the helicopters? You, you know, well, it is actually because we have two sides to our unit. We have the law enforcement side and the the fire side. And when I say that, they're all in the same building, same office. You know, our desks are right next to each other. But um, the law enforcement side is completely dispatched by um, our regular um, law enforcement dispatchers, the same ones that dispatch all the patrol cars. Uh, we have what we call, I call it a regional frequency. Here locally, we call it law air. Um, and any officer in the entire county we um, can hail the, the, the any law enforcement helicopter in the county on law air. But you know, going back to your question, the fire helicopters are dispatched by our local fire agency that dispatches um, wildland fires and that sort of thing. It's called Heartland here in this this area. But uh, so yeah, two different sides of it. 
Interesting. So, so there are. There's other jobs, dispatching, mechanics, and in in the aviation field as far as police. Yeah. So that not just just flying. So you can actually get involved in a lot of different things. That's that's important to know. But uh, but you know you know Daryl, I, I really appreciate your coming here today. It was, it was great talking to you. And and for those folks listening right now, I hope you've really enjoyed listening to Daryl's journey in life in his life to becoming a helicopter pilot. And you know we're we're really honored to have Daryl with us today, and, and really appreciate his service as a police officer and and the role he plays in keeping the public safe and secure. And just you know, Daryl, just want to say hey, thanks thanks for your service. Well, well, thank you. It's it's been great talking to you. Yeah, and and how can they get in touch with you? What's the best way to get in touch with you, Daryl? You know, if they just go onto my website uh, again, policehelicopterpilot.com, uh, I have a, a link right there. Uh, it's an about page about the host. I think is what I have it titled, and I have I have my uh, email listed right there. And uh, you know, occasionally, you know, I still work a full time job, um, so occasionally it may it may even take me a week or two to get back to somebody. It just depends on how busy I am. But but I, I I rarely fail to answer an email, even if it takes me a week or two. So yeah, anybody that wants to email me any questions or anything like that, I'm I'm always more than happy to, to, to respond. Well, thanks. And, and what we'll do, too, is they can come to us at aviationcareerspodcast.com and click on the contact page. If you ask me a question about this interview, I'll actually forward it on to Daryl, and he can help me answer that, and he'll send you a, a direct email or send it, or we'll talk about it again on this show. Uh, so, again, you know, come over to aviationcareerspodcast.com, click on the contact page. And also another way to find information is at the Facebook page. It's uh, facebook.com slash aviationcareerspodcast. And also on Twitter, which is at Flying Careers. Also, if you could do me a favor, if you are listening to us on iTunes, if you could go out and rate us on iTunes, I'd appreciate that. What that does, it helps other people find us on iTunes because this content is really important, and I, I feel what we're doing here is important for folks to know what it's like to to work in all these different aviation careers. Today we talked about being a police officer flying a helicopter. We also talk about mechanics. We talk about everything from being a flight attendant, and we're going to be talking to dispatchers and flight test engineers. So all those type of jobs we talk about here, and it's been great talking to uh, to Daryl. And also, if you want to send, a say, a voicemail to Daryl or to me, uh, I invite you to go to our voicemail line. It's actually pretty easy. It's 347-MY-WINGS. As a matter of fact, I, the number at the front, remember the Boeing 347, that's actually how I came up with that number. So 347-MY-WINGS, and that's a, a helicopter, or 347-699-4647. And if you have any comments, suggestions, questions for me, or one of my any of the guests, feel free to ask. I also, any suggestions for upcoming episodes, I'd really appreciate it. Well, folks, uh, hope to see you next episode, and safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, Compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.